You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Good morning. If you've got your Bibles there, please go ahead and open them up to Psalm 13. Psalm 13, as we continue this morning in our summer series in the Psalms called Good for the Soul. And we begin this morning with this truth. That there will be times in each one of our lives when we will face really big problems. There will be times in our lives when you and I will face problems that are way too big for us to fix. Might be health problems, financial problems, relational problems. There will be times in our lives when you and I face problems that are impossible for us to fix. It's kind of like this. All of a sudden, one day, this problem just kind of falls into your life. And, and, we, and we, there's nothing we can do to escape it. We start kind of spinning it around. And how am I going to fix this? And the more we spin it, the more anxious we become. And the more our hearts fill up with more and more sorrow. So before we get started today, let me ask you. Are you facing an impossible problem in your life right now? Because thankfully, God shows us in his word, especially in the Psalms, a path that leads us through impossible problems. And that path is the path of lament. You may be thinking, well, what is lament? Well, Psalm 62 describes that for us up on the screen. Verse 8 says this, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So here we see the two essential elements of lament. Here's the first part. It's, it's pouring out our heart to the Lord. It's taking our impossible problem to God and telling him what we're thinking about it and how we're feeling about it. And what we've been doing to try to fix it, it's pouring out our heart to the Lord. That's the first part. The other part is at the same time, we're holding on to what we know is true about God. So on the one hand, we're pouring out our heart to the Lord. On the other hand, we're trying to fill up our heart with truth, pouring out and filling up. This is biblical lament. This is how we face impossible problems in our lives. Mark Vrogop the author of Dark Cloud's Deep Mercy, he says this about lament up on the screen. He says, you might think lament is the opposite of praise. It isn't. Instead, lament is a path to praise as we are led through our brokenness and disappointment. Think of lament as the transition between pain and promise. It is the path from heartbreak to hope. You and I will face problems in our lives. It's inevitable. It's a given. Here's the question. Are we ready? Do we know how to find the path from heartbreak to hope? Do we know how to find the path from pain to praise? Do we know how to walk the path of lament? 
Well, with that in mind, we dive into Psalm 13, which is a psalm of lament. And point number one is this. When my problems are too big for me to fix, I must go to God and pour out my heart to him. When my problems are too big for me to fix, I must go to God and pour out my heart to him. Now notice that Psalm 13 begins with this. It says, To the choir master, a psalm of David. So notice that this psalm is addressed to the choir master. It's addressed to the person who's leading worship. Which means that this psalm, Psalm 13, was used in public worship. But it also says that it's a psalm of David. So David wrote this psalm, and we know that he wrote this psalm at a time in his life when he was facing an impossible problem. It's a psalm of lament. This is David's private prayer to the Lord as he's facing this problem in his life. But it's also addressed to the choir master. So this is a private prayer of David's that is to be used in public worship. And here's why. It's so that we, as God's people, might learn from David's example how to walk the path of lament. So let's have a look now at verse 1. David begins his prayer with this. How long, O Lord? How long? How long, O Lord? David is calling out to God. He's calling him Lord. David is using the personal name of God. He's calling out to Yahweh, the, the faithful covenant-keeping God. And he asks, how long? How long is this going to go on for? How long will my suffering continue? How long? But he's also asking God something a lot more specific than just that. Have a look back at verse 1. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? So here's what David is specifically asking God. He's saying, how much longer are you going to forget about me? Are you going to forget me for like a whole other day? Is this going to go on for another week? Are you going to forget me for another month? Is this going to be six months of you forget? Are you ever going to remember me again? David's question, it gives us a window into his thinking. And here's what we see. That in this moment, as David is suffering under the weight of this impossible problem, he gets to a place in his thinking where he thinks, God has forgotten about me. And yet David knows what Moses said to God's people in Deuteronomy 4 up on the screen. Moses said, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. David knows that God has promised that he will not forget about his covenant people. David knows that. But in this moment, as David is under the weight of this problem, he starts to think, God must have forgotten about me. So here's what we're learning right now up on the screen. Impossible problems will often expose what's deep in our hearts. Impossible problems will often expose 
what's deep inside our hearts as our hearts are squeezed by the weight of impossible problems, the wrong thinking, the unbelief that still lurks deep inside of every heart, it comes out. It gets exposed. And sometimes what's lurking deep inside of the heart, inside of my heart, are these wrong equations, like this one up on the screen. Like if I'm suffering, it must mean that I'm forgotten. That if I'm suffering deeply enough, and if it goes on for long enough, then that must mean that I am forgotten. And if you're here today and you're facing an impossible problem in your life and you're thinking that God has forgotten about you, listen, you're not alone. We all struggle with thoughts like this. Even David, the man after God's own heart, he struggled with thoughts like this. And when these thoughts enter your mind, follow David's example. Run to God. Pour out your heart to him, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We see an example of this in the book of Isaiah. God's people, they've been taken into captivity in Babylon. In their captivity, in their impossible situation, they think that God has forgotten about them. So they lament. They tell the Lord what they're thinking. And look how God responds to them up on the screen. God says, but Zion said, God's people said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. God responds, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? God's people are saying, God has forgotten about us. God responds by saying, can a mother forget her nursing child? He continues and says, even these may forget. It's possible. Yet, I will not forget you. And then he says this, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. God is using this imagery here of someone who engraves someone's name on the palm of their hands, like someone tattoos your name on the palms of their hands. So when they're using their hands over here to do something, they're working over here with their hands. Everything they do, they see your name. And of course we're reminded of the pierced hands of Jesus Christ. He has engraved you on the palms of his hands. He will never, ever forget you. Next, he says, your walls are continually before me. God sees their impossible problem. They're in captivity. The walls of Jerusalem need to be rebuilt. He sees his people. He sees their problem. God sees you. God sees your impossible problem. In light of that, here's a right equation on the screen. When I'm suffering, I'm seen. When I'm suffering, especially when I'm suffering, I'm not forgotten. I'm seen. It's like gravity, it's, it's impossible, it can't go up. In fire, it just it can't be cold. God cannot forget you. It's impossible. You are engraved on the palms of his hands. David continues in his lament with a second question for the Lord. Look again at verse 1. 
David says, how long will you hide your face from me? So first David asks, how long will you forget about me? Next he asks, how long will you hide your face from me? So in this moment, David's just not thinking that God has has forgotten about him. He's also thinking that God has completely turned away from him. He's thinking that God has abandoned him. So he asks, how long? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will you completely turn away from me? And yet David knows what Samuel said to Israel in 1 Samuel 12 up on the screen. Samuel said, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. David knows that God has promised that he'll never abandon his people. David knows that. But in this moment, as David is under the weight of an impossible problem in his life, this is the equation that's in his thinking up on the screen. When I'm suffering, it must mean that I'm abandoned. If my suffering is deep enough and it goes on for long enough, it must mean that God has completely turned away from me. And maybe right now, you are under the weight of an impossible problem in your life. You're starting to think, God must have abandoned me. If that's what you're thinking, if that's the case, listen, you're not alone. Many of us have these thoughts. David had these thoughts. And he shows us what we need to do. We need to go to God and pour out our hearts to him. We need to go to God and tell him everything that we're thinking. And listen, listen, it's not a, it's not a great distance for us to go to God. God is not far away. Look what he says to you up on the screen. Jesus says this. He says, behold, I am with you always. I am with you always, always, until the end of the age. God is with you. God is is with you right now. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, he will be with you now and always. He has not turned away from you. He is with you. So here's a right equation up on the screen. When I'm suffering... I'm surrounded. Especially when I'm suffering. I'm surrounded. God goes before me. God is behind me. God is with me. God is in me. I'm surrounded. He goes before me. He's behind me. He is with me. He is in me. I am surrounded. It's like like a diver who is completely surrounded on all sides with water, you are surrounded by God. He will never turn away from you. David continues now with a third question for the Lord in his lament. Look again at verse two. He says, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? In other words, Lord, because you have completely forgotten about me and because you've completely turned away from me, I now have no other option except to listen to myself and to, and to listen to my own counsel and to try to figure out this impossible problem on my own. 
And yes, David knows what Moses said to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 8 up on the screen. David knows Moses said that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. David knows this verse. David knows that God wants his people to rely on him for everything. David knows that. But in this moment, under the weight of this problem, he's, and, and, and as he's thinking that, that God has forgotten about me, God has completely turned away from me, the equation in his mind is this up on the screen. That in my suffering, i got to figure this out myself. In my suffering, because I'm, I'm alone, because God has forgotten about me and he's turned away from me, I have no other choice but to rely on myself. To listen to myself. And maybe right now, You've been trying to fix an impossible problem in your life on your own. And maybe you've been experiencing what David experienced when he tried to fix an impossible problem by himself. Look again at verse 2. David says, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? So as David relied on himself, as he listened to himself, he experienced this sorrow in his heart, this profound sorrow, and it just wouldn't go away. It was there all the time, and here's why. Because David knew, deep down he knew, that his strength and his counsel was never going to be enough to deal with this problem. He knew he couldn't escape this problem. He knew he couldn't fix the problem. He knew that all of his best efforts would ultimately fail. So he felt trapped inside of this problem and his heart just increasingly filled up with sorrow. It's like if you are out in the middle of nowhere, a kilometers away from everything, and suddenly a thunderstorm comes upon you, and the wind picks up, and the rain starts to fall, and it turns to hail, and then there's lightning everywhere. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere you can run, nowhere to hide. In the same way, David sees there's no escaping from this storm of his problem. He's trapped. And so his heart is filling up with sorrow. So let's pause to do a recap of everything that we know about David's heart so far up on the screen. First of all, we know he has one. Okay, David is a human being. He has a heart. Which, which, which means that, that he has a control center. All of us have this. It's, it's the biblical heart. It's the mind, the affections, and the will. So this is what David's operating out of. So here's what we know about his mind. This is what he's thinking. He's thinking, God has forgotten me. God has abandoned me. I have no choice but to rely on myself. So because he's thinking that way, this is what he chooses to do. He chooses to rely on himself. I'm going to figure this out on my own. And the more he does that, the more he thinks these thoughts, the more he tries to rely on himself, the more sorrow fills his heart. This is what's happening in the heart of David. But here's the question. What is he doing with all of that? What is he doing with everything that's taking place in his heart? 
Well, here's what we see him doing. He's bringing it all to the Lord. He's bringing his heart to God. He's pouring it all out to him. He's saying, Lord, this is what I'm thinking. Lord, this is how I'm feeling. Lord, this is what I've been doing. It's like someone who is really sick and they go to the doctor and they, and they just list out all of the symptoms. These are all the things that I've been experiencing. David's doing the same thing. He's bringing his heart to the great physician and he's pouring it all out before him. So ask yourself, do I do this? When I'm suffering in my life, do I bring my heart to the Lord and pour it out before him, the good, the bad, and the ugly? When I'm, when I'm facing impossible problems in my life that I can't fix, do I go to the Lord and tell him what I'm thinking? Do I go to the Lord and tell him how I'm feeling? Do I go to the Lord and tell him what I've been doing to try to fix it? Because this is the first step on the path of lament. It's pouring out our hearts to the Lord. And so far, we know quite a bit about how David was lamenting, but there's still something that's pretty important we don't know about. There's still a pretty big piece of the story that's missing. What is David's impossible problem? What is this thing that has been putting so much pressure upon David in his life? Well, look what he says next in verse 2. He says, How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? This is David's problem. David has an enemy that is exalted over him. David has many foes, and he can't escape from them, and he can't defeat them. This is the weight. This is the pressure upon his heart and life, and it's crushing. So we don't know exactly when this took place. This could have happened when he was being pursued by Saul. This could have happened while he's being pursued by his son Absalom. Uh, we don't know exactly when it happened, but we know he was pursued by many foes, and he was under profound amounts of suffering. And so he asks God this fourth question in verse 2. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? In other words, how long will I be under the foot of my enemy? How long will I be defeated? And again, maybe right now, you are facing something in your life that's like an enemy and it feels like it's completely defeating you. If that's the case... Follow David's example. Go to God. Tell him everything. Tell him what the problem is. Name it. Tell him what you're thinking about this problem. Tell him how you're feeling about it. Tell him what you're doing to try to fix it. Pour out your heart to him. Take it all to him. That's what David did. David took his heart to the Lord, and he asked the Lord some pretty raw and real questions. He asked, how long will you forget about me? How long are you going to completely turn away from me? How long do I, do I need to rely on my own counsel and have all this sorrow in my heart? How long will this enemy be exalted over me? How long? But now David is done asking questions. Because now David begins to pour out his heart to the Lord in a different way. He starts to ask for help. 
It's like a person who is dying of thirst. And they finally come across someone who has water. And they grab hold of them and say, please help me. David prays with desperation. Look at verse 3. He prays, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. In other words, Lord, you are my God. You alone are my God. So consider all of this. Consider, please, consider what's happening in my heart. Consider it. Consider what's happening in my life and in all my circumstances. Consider it all. And please, Lord, give me what I'm about to ask you for. Please give me what I'm about to ask you for. And what does David ask for? Look again at verse 3. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes. This is David's prayer request. He prays, light up my eyes. In other words, Lord, please give me everything I need to face this impossible problem so that there's light in my eyes again, so that I have life. Lord, please give me everything I need to face this problem so my eyes light up with life again. Because Lord, if you don't, here's what's going to happen. Look again at verse 3. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. In other words, Lord, if you don't provide everything I need to face this problem, I don't stand a chance. Lord, if you don't, if you don't help me, my enemy will prevail, my foes will rejoice. David knows he needs help. Let me ask you, are you in a place in your life right now where you are in desperate need of help from God? If so, follow David's example. Go to God and ask him to light up your eyes. Ask him to provide everything that you need to face this impossible situation so that your eyes light up with life one more time. Because without him, we don't stand a chance. This is the path of lament. It's going to God and telling him everything, again, including this. What I'm thinking. What I'm thinking about this impossible problem. What I'm feeling. What I'm doing to try to fix this on my own. And what I'm needing, what I'm needing from the Lord. We need to go to God and tell him everything. Tell him everything. But it doesn't stop there. Because lament is not only about pouring out our hearts to God. Lament is also about filling up our hearts with truth. Which leads us to our second and our final point this morning, which is this. When my problems are too big for me to fix, I must go to God and fill up my heart with truth. When my problems are too big for me to fix, I need to go to God and fill up my heart with truth. Have a look now at verse 5. David continues to pray. He says, But I have, in the past, I have trusted in your steadfast love. 
So in verses 1 through 4, David is pouring out his heart to the Lord. Now in verse 5, David starts to fill up his heart with truth because he starts to remind himself about how he has faced impossible problems in the past. Look again what he says in verse 5. He says, but I have, in the past, I have trusted in your steadfast love. So again, David is reminding himself about how he has faced impossible problems in the past. This is what he did. This was his strategy. He trusted in the perfect love of God. He trusted in the fact that God loves him perfectly. This is what he did in the past up on the screen. This was his strategy. David trusted that the Lord, who is perfect, the perfect one, he trusted that the the Lord, who is perfect, loves him perfectly. This was his strategy. This is how he faced impossible problems in the past. He trusted that the perfect one loves him perfectly perfectly. Therefore, God will for sure provide all he needs to face whatever impossible problem comes his way. And as God provided, David persevered. This has been his strategy, trusting that the perfect one loves him perfectly. He trusted, which is exactly what we need to do as well. Up on the screen, I must trust that the Lord, the perfect one, loves me perfectly. And if I'm ever doubting the love of God, if I'm ever wondering how much God loves me, all I need to do, again, is to turn to the cross. That's how much God loves you. The cross. You and I need to trust that the Lord, the perfect one, loves us perfectly. Therefore, God will for sure provide everything we need to face this impossible problem. And as God provides, you and I will persevere. We need to trust in the perfect love of God. Amen? So let's pause here for a second and consider what's actually happening here in Psalm 13. So consider where David was and consider where he is now. So David started off in a very bad place, but then he prayed in verse 3. He prayed, Lord, light up my eyes. Lord, give me everything I need to face this impossible problem so that my eyes have light and life again. And this is exactly what God is doing. God is answering David's prayer. God is working in David's heart, helping him to remember how he faced impossible problems in the past. And as David begins to remember how much God loves him, and as faith begins to rise up in David's heart, and as light begins to fill his eyes again, David now begins to talk about the future. Look what he says next in verse 5. He says, My heart shall, in the future, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. So David's no longer talking about the past. Now he's filled with faith and he is confidently talking about the future. He says, my heart shall in the future rejoice in your salvation. In other words, in other words, Lord, because you love me perfectly, I know that one way or another, you are going to save me from this impossible problem. And I know that one way or another, this story is going to end with me rejoicing in you because you saved me from this. Again, notice how much David's thinking has completely changed. 
He's gone from thinking that God has forgotten about him and that God has completely turned away from him to now thinking that one way or another, God will save me from this impossible problem and every other impossible problem as well. Because here's what David knows. He knows that every problem for him is ultimately temporary. It's temporary. And the same is true for you and I. Every single problem for us is temporary. Yes, it's true that about six months ago, we went outside and there was probably snow on the car and snow on the driveway. That really happened. But then it melted away. It was temporary. It was a temporary problem. And every problem we face is just like that. It's temporary. It will not last. Whether it's health problems, financial problems, relational problems, they are all temporary. None will last. The Lord will save us from them all, either in this life or the next. Let me say that again. Whether it's health problems, financial problems, relational problems, they are all temporary. The Lord will save us from them all, either in this life or the next. And because of that, here's the truth. Your story will end with you rejoicing in God because he saved you from every impossible problem. Amen? Including the greatest problem of all, which is the problem of sin and death. And here's how he did that. He sent his son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God the Father sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die on a cross, to make full, complete payment for the sin of all who will turn to him, all who will believe in him, all who will put their trust in him, and they can receive complete and total forgiveness of sins even right now today. If you've placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your story will end with you rejoicing in God because he saved you from every single impossible problem. And as David fills his heart up with this truth, his, his eyes begin to be filled with light. And notice this, okay? Notice this. David's situation hasn't changed at all. His impossible problem, still right there. His enemy is, is probably right over there. His foes are all over there. David's situation has not changed at all. Here's what has changed. His heart. David has gone from being problem-focused to being God-focused. And as he's filled up his heart with the truth, the way he's thinking about God has changed, and the way he's thinking about his problem has changed. And listen, God wants to do this work in our hearts as well. So he's calling us, you and I, to follow David down the path of lament by going to God, pouring out our hearts to him, and filling up our hearts with truth. And what will be the inevitable outcome of that? Here it is. Praise. Praise. Because that's where lament ultimately takes us. Praise. We see this now in verse 6. Look what David says. David says, I will sing 
to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. In other words, Lord, because you love me perfectly, Lord, because I know that one way or another you're going to save me from every impossible problem and that this story is going to end with me rejoicing in you, in light of that, I will sing. So let's consider one more time where David started in Psalm 13 and then where he finished. Here's again where he started. He's thinking, God has forgotten me. God has abandoned me. My only option is to rely on myself. He chooses then to rely on himself and to listen to his own counsel and try to figure out this problem on his own. And his heart was increasingly filled with sorrow. So what does David do? He takes this heart to the Lord. He pours it all out before him. And then he begins to fill his heart with truth. So he starts to think this way. God loves me perfectly. One way or another, God will save me. In the end, I will rejoice in him. God has dealt bountifully with me. And what starts to rise up and replace sorrow in his heart? Praise. Praise starts to rise. And then David makes the decision, here's what I'm going to do. I will sing. I will sing. So again, consider it. Consider where he started and where he finished. He started with sorrow. He finishes with singing. It's an incredible transformation. And it happens in a relatively short amount of time. Now sometimes the path of lament is a very long path. Other times, like we see in Psalm 13, it's a relatively short path. And this is what happens on that path. Eventually, we move from heartbreak to hope, from pain to praise, and from sorrow to singing. And now, in light of God's perfect love for you and the truth that one way or another, God will save you from every single impossible problem, And because of the reality that in the end, you will rejoice in God, let's sing to the Lord together because he has dealt bountifully with us. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. So, Father, we thank you so much that we see in your word, especially especially in Psalm 13, real people dealing with real things. We see the man after, after God's own heart, David, wrestling and struggling under the weight of pressure and stress and a problem that he can't figure out. We see him being honest with you and pouring out his heart to you and then filling up his heart with truth and ending in a totally different place than he started. And Lord, this is what you're calling us to as well. Again, again, the Christian life rather in a trial, about to go into a trial, coming out of a trial. So I pray in the days to come, Lord, you would help us to walk the path of lament, the path that starts with sorrow, but then it ends with singing. In Jesus' name, amen.